Hey friend, welcome to the Planter Podcast, where we focus on faith, growth, and lifestyle. This is a podcast that propels both men and women to live their God-given purpose one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Damio Shodi, and I'm so happy that you're here listening to the Planter Podcast. Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Planter Podcast, where we speak about faith, lifestyle, and growth. Uh, Today's podcast is the second part of the man-to-man series, which focuses mostly on men talking to other men about the main subject of leadership and submission. Um, This topic today, we're speaking about how men can take charge of their own spiritual life. It's something that I thought was really important, um, speaking to a lot of um, friends of mine, a lot of males. Um, I feel like it is a bit lacking within our with well, within the body of Christ. So I wanted to be able to speak about this topic outwardly and get it from a male's perspective as to um, what's going on in that situation. So I'm just so excited uh, to be able to do um, this series. And I have an important and special guest uh, with me today by the name of Pastor Owotoki. Thank you so much, um, Dami. It's a pleasure to be on your um, podcast today. And I know we're going to have a good time um, exploring the topic. Yes, um, I, I, yeah, I'm excited because I remember you speaking at the event that I was at and the way you spoke um, especially from a leadership point of view, for sure. I wanted to invite you on the podcast. So thank you. It, it's going to be good. I'm excited. Yeah. This is going to be a good topic. Definitely. <laughs> yep. So the idea of taking charge of your own spiritual life. But before we get into the topic, um, I always ask guests. So everybody kind of knows who you are. Um, would you mind telling us about yourself? Like, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> Okay, thank you very much. Um, uh, my name is Pastor Benga Matthew Wotoki. I'm the lead pastor of Mountain Top Faith International Church and also the presiding coordinator of FCB Network International Ministry, um, the organizers of the Yearly Giant Conference, which holds in Nigeria, and uh, also the Life Summit. Uh, which equally holds in Nigeria. And it's been a forum, a conference where we've had quite a number of people over the years have their lives transformed. And we've seen, I mean, we've recorded great impact, you know, through these conferences. And also, by the grace of God, I'm an author. I have written so far eight books. Um, some of which are a work into eternity, uh, don't quit, your best days lie ahead. And also the Christian classic, Mountain Top Boulevard, a pilgrim journey into bliss. Thank you so much for that um, introduction. Wow, I didn't know that you have done all of that. So that's that's amazing. Okay, so let's get back into the topic of how men can really take charge of their own spiritual life. As I was saying before, I've noticed that there seems to be a lack of, I don't know, zeal, I guess you will, when it comes to men um, really taking ownership and really taking it seriously um, when it comes to following God. 
So the first question that I want to ask you is um, why, do you, why is it so important for a man to take charge of leading his own relationship with God? What is the, in your opinion, the most important or importances of that? Okay. Um, thank you very much for that question. Um, first, we must understand that man is a free moral agent. A man has got the will to decide on whatever he intends to do. So um, God will not come from heaven and force man to do his bidding. God has blessed man with something called the willpower. So when you give your heart to God, um, God takes over your will and channel it in such a way that you'll be able to, you know, um, follow after God in your in your daily pursuit, in your work, and in everything, you know, that that comes with it. But um, one of the greatest problems facing many families today is a lack of leadership by the man. You know, some men, husband, as you know, as the case is, they don't realize that God has ordained them for this role of leadership, while others simply don't understand how they should lead. Still, others just refuse to lead. So it's a multifaceted problem that have bedeviled, you know, man. Um, many people, they have failed to realize the very special position um, that God has placed them. And sometimes you look at it, there are many reasons why men fail to lead. Let me give you just a few of them. You know, many times men did not see good male leadership molded in their own homes as they grow up. So like when, you know, when they were young, probably their father was not a good role model for them. So uh, their father did not instill that real quality into them that would make them also when they grow up to live likewise. And the other thing that I've realized is many husbands or many men are just lazy and would rather uh, just give up their leadership role in their home to their wives or to someone else. And so that motivation for them to take the center stage, for them to take the lead is not there. And sometimes the husband just simply give up when their wives or you know the people in their life challenge them for the leadership of the home as their wife constantly reminds them of their poor decision in the past. So in order not to cause trouble, in order just um, for them not to, you know, hear that reprimand or get that reprimand from their wives, telling them constantly, you are not able, you cannot, you know, take up this responsibility. Many men shy away from that responsibility. So these are just a few reasons that I see why, you know, men, you know, refuse to take up that leadership. And another factor that I've realized is when a man is not submitted to God, when a man is not submitted to Christ, then it's really, really difficult for that man to take up that role of leadership, particularly in his own, particularly in the society or the community where that man finds himself. So all these things are interlinked. We need to understand the fact God is the primary source. God is the major thing that we need to get connected to, is a major being we need to get connected to so that the best in us as men uh, will come to the fore and we will be able to, you know, make the needed impact and be role model for our children, be role model for people around us and be a blessing 
to the church or the community where we find ourselves. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so very much for that explanation. Uh, right. I think I don't think it could have gotten any clearer. Um, I would say as well, I mean, I don't know. Men are very important. And it's a shame that I feel like men in this, especially in my generation and in this generation, don't know how important or how much of an important role that they have. Especially when you were mentioning um, that having that lack of um, a leadership or um, role model in the household. Yeah. I mean, so many of my friends, same thing. They didn't have a dad at home or... You know, uh, I even was speaking with somebody yesterday. They were talking about they don't think they want to ha- be married because they haven't seen a good marriage. They haven't, you know, right. they, his parents didn't work out and so many different things. So. And unfortunately, yeah. I mean, you know, um, just uh, just to buttress what you just said now. So many young um, boys or children um, when they look up to their parents, as the case is, and probably um, the, the marriage for their parents didn't succeed, and they're constantly right before their um, um, uh, face, they see the terrible um, situation that their parents have to go through every single day. And many homes, uh, if you look at the statistics in America, uh, the number of marriages that occurs every day, when you compare that with the number of divorces, then you begin to sit down to think, um, then why are they getting married in the first place? And also the absence of a male figure in the house, the absence of the man, of a father in the house affects a lot of things. It affects the mindset of the child. It affects the development of that child. And at the end of the day, that child feels intimidated. That that child feels is not complete. It goes to school and hear other children or kids or friends talking about, you know, their father. But, you know, back home, there's no father figure there. And then all this, you know, molds up its, um, its, its mindset, molds up its character, its temperament. And at the end of the day, they come up with this kind of decision. If this is how marriage is, if this is how a family looks like, I don't want to have one. So it's very important for men, grown-up men, and even the open, I mean, those ones that are young at the moment, that some at some point in life, they will also settle down to raise a family of their own. It's very important for them to realize that we need to get it right. We need to do it right. If we don't change things now, it's, um, it's, it's really sad, you know, the way things have turned out, you know, many families are in turmoil. Why? Because men have refused to take up that leadership position. But it, it is not um, irredeemable. It's still something we can still fix. It's something that can be corrected if we can just, I mean, allow God himself to come in. God originated marriage. He originated the family. He, you know, the church is there. It's the foundation of the church. The society is there. God is involved in all this. So if we can allow God to come in and take the center stage in all of this, then we'll begin to see that things will begin to fall in shape. And I think um, an important thing also with uh, allowing God to come in 
Uh, you talked about submission earlier, and that was actually the first part of this series. Um, a lot of men are afraid to submit. Um, why do you think that? I know this isn't something that we spoke about before, but why do you feel like a lot of men are afraid to submit to God's like instruction, to God's will for their life? Right. I will look at First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. You know, the scripture said something there. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am a follower of Christ Jesus. Now, this was Paul speaking. Paul was talking to the Corinthians and telling them that, look at me. I am model after Christ. Jesus is my, uh, my focus, is um, my the person that I look up to, my guiding principle, everything that I do is modeled and patterned after Jesus. So you follow me as I have followed Christ. You know, it's very, very important. Now, the reason why you find people, um, sometimes they're afraid to submit is because they don't want God himself to direct them. Now, people just feel that if I yield my life to God, I mean, then a lot of things will come in place that maybe I have to stop doing some things that I'm doing now. And I'm not ready to get off those things. I'm not ready to submit completely. Maybe if I can do things haphazardly, then probably I may consider doing it. So the fear of absolute um, um, submission to God, that is one of the reasons. So people just feel that uh, friends are there, uh, friends are there to mock them, friends are there to make jest of them, that, you know, how can you submit to God? And then uh, as a result, they lose those connections with their friends, they, they lose those uh, social circle of uh, w where they are being revered before. But because they have given their heart to God because they have submitted themselves to Christ. Those things have to, you know, be detached from their life. So it's very important for them to understand that leadership is something that originates from God. God himself from the beginning of creation, you know, brought about hierarchy, brought about leadership. And if we must live according to God's principle, then the first thing we need to do is to submit to that same God that, you know, that originated that brought about this principle that is now guiding families, guiding society, guiding nations. So the fear of submission is something that we need to do away with. There's nothing toxic about submission. Rather, there's something glorious, there's something beautiful if we allow God to ride on us, if we, if we submit ourselves completely to him. I agree. Um, you know, and... When it comes to submission and it comes to, I guess, that aspect of leadership, I feel like the church has a lot to do with that as well. Because the church, in my opinion, is the representation of Christ here on earth. We are, or the body of Christ is a representation. And if not, you find the example within your household, you would think that you'd be able to find the example within your church. But do you feel like there's anything that the church is doing that's contributing to men's lack of leadership and submission to their spiritual growth? Do you think that the church is doing anything that's kind of just not allowing men to grow to the fullest potential that they could when it comes to getting to know God? I would say that the church has done so much and um, there's still so much ground to cover. 
the church as you know i know um um, churches around the world they have the men group within the church where the men married men or single men as the case is they come together and they have been taught about principles that will that will help to stir up their leadership quality yes the church has done so much but notwithstanding like i said the church still needs to do more and I have realized that, you know, some pastors sometimes or some churches, as the case is, do, <clears throat> excuse me, do not teach about husband's leadership role because they fear being charged with male chauvinism. They fear being charged with, you know, uh, that they're trying to, you know, just separate the men, the male folks from the female folks and all that. So as a result of that, those churches are a little bit leery, they're a little bit careful, you know, doing that. And these individuals, the men, you know, that goes to these churches, um, these people feel as if they do not have anything significant to offer in the ministry, you know, and they may believe that they personally are not qualified to serve in the, in the ministry capacity or they might think that they are that it is only special clergymen that can truly be involved in leadership position that God can I mean truly used you know to make the needed change that we clamor for in our lives and in our society. So what the church needs to do is to actually correct this ignorance that you know God can pick up a man from the trash, clean him up and make the best use of him. You know, God will not use a ready-made man. He will pick a man, prepare him, and then he will use him for his own glory. So there should be no fear about uh, that I am not worthy enough to step into a leadership role, maybe first starting out for my family, that they are not worthy enough to be uh, the people that their children can look up to and say, Dad, you are my inspiration. Dad, you are my role model. You know, it's difficult these days. It's, it's rare for you to hear, you know, children looking up to their dad and saying, Dad, you know what? You are my mentor. You are my role model. And the church has a role to play definitely. And the church must not shy away from that responsibility. It is a simple fact that our church contains those who have been hurt and are still hurting. You know, the church is meant to be, um, you know, a place where the heart can come and they can find succor. They can, you know, they can find healing for their predicament. Some of them have been hurt by church and church leaders, no doubt. So some of them, they've left a bad situation at a previous church that, were, that they were attending before, before they moved. In fact, some made up their mind that they would not step the four walls of the church anymore. Why? Because of the experiences that they've had. So the church need to, I mean, uh, uh, create a forum where such kind of situation can be handled without bias and handled sincerely. So as to help these people that are going through this deplorable condition. Every man born into this world has a potential. God has graced everyone with a special gift. And the church is a place where those gifts can come to the fore. And the church has evolved to ensure that that happens. You know, I think you spoke about at the, where were we? Oh, the talk um, at 
church at the Household of Faith Christian Center. Um, I remember you said that the church is a type of place where it's a place for the sick to come to be healed, but the church has the power or, or has done the ability, or how can I rephrase this, or has um, when a person is down... There. Like yes, I'd rather stamp, I mean, stomped on the people that have been injured right. rather than help to pick them up and get them cleaned up and get them moving again. I mean, yes. that is just the reality. I mean, uh, sometimes I sit down and this is just my candid um, I'm taught on this matter. You know, um, when Jesus came, um, he died for the sin of the world and he gave a commission to the church to go into the world and of course preach the gospel. But unfortunately, centuries have you know gone by and we have realized that Jesus gave the great commission and asked that we go preach the word and win disciples um, for him. Uh, but over the years, we have realized that um, unfortunately, the church... Um, drifted from that commission. Now we are seeing a lot of uh, personal agendas that have infiltrated it into the church. And we are seeing uh, where people are building their own personal structures and edifice, you know, in the name of reaching out to the world. And at the same time, we have seen situations where there's so much condemnation uh, people giving their heart to Christ, giving their heart to Jesus, and at the end of the day, maybe um, somebody falls out of faith or maybe out of error, something happens. Then rather than to have um, the body of Christ rally around such a person to help that person get back up on his feet and get him fully restored back to faith, what happens, um, unfortunately, is we pull with we take the gun and we pull the trigger and finish up such an individual, such that he's not able to even get up again. Uh, what do we really want? Are we going to rather allow somebody that has been bruised on the battlefield to be stumped by the devil and taken out completely? Or are we going to rally around such a person and say, you know what? Yes, we know you have been bruised. We know that you have missed it at some point, but the grace of God is still available to touch you, to restore you back to faith. There's a way, say, in the meekness of wisdom, we can restore such a person back to faith. And I'm saying this because of the many men out there that have been hurt. Many men, they've left the church. You see churches where the majority, the majority of the people that comes to church are the women. When you're calling for prayer meeting, you find the women. But then you can count the number of men there. Why? Because as a lot of things that happen, the devil is fighting the male folks. The devil is fighting the head of the family. The devil is fighting the home. So it is not at this point when things are so bad and the devil is on a serious onslaught against the head of the family, against the head within the society, that we can come with condemnation and hitting people down and crushing their head. What we need now is to stir up these people, point them to Jesus. He is the righteousness of every, you know, of he is a model of righteousness. I tell people, just like the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing shall be added 
unto, uh, unto us. But if peradventure somebody, maybe out of carelessness, it is not something that we desire. It's not something that we expect. It's not something that we crave for. But if by accident someone is injured on this spiritual battlefield, don't finish that person up. Don't crush that person. Rally around him with words of encouragement. Going right into your own secret place and praying for that person's restoration and saying, God, rescue him. Rally around that person and say, you know what? Yes, these have happened, but don't give up. God is the God of second chance. He can still have you restored back fully into faith. It is not the time for us to start sending messages out to other people and say he has done this and all that. As a result, we are going to banish him completely. He will not be our friend anymore. And now we, we give room for the devil to come in completely and destroy that life. But if we can do what Jesus will do, just like he did to Mary Magdalene, you know, went out and regardless of people condemning and throwing stones on Mary, Jesus still came and said, you know what? If those people did not condemn you, I also would not. But do something for me. Go and sin no more. I think that's the message of the Bible. I think that's the message of, I mean, for the male and for the female also, that we can go with that grace that God has given to us and with the strength in that grace that God has released upon us, we can live a righteous life in this dying world. But most especially, we can rally around, around those that are weak in faith and help and strengthen the feeble knees. I agree with what you're saying because I've seen so many people, especially here in college, who don't want to go to church because church hurt is real. That's what we say here. Church hurt is real. Um, me and my friends, we talk about it a lot. You'll hear so many stories especially of men to women yes but men too who have been in church and they've been you know maybe they've done something just as silly as sagging their pants or something you know i understand coming to church looking presentable but it's not to the point that you destroy somebody's character or you know they've done something wrong in the past and the church just tramples on the person and the person doesn't even want to step foot in church and you know you try to talk to them about god and they're like god where god whom you know, so I feel that a message to church leaders is it is so important for you to understand exactly what the gospel is about. Um, I think that's also important, too, because there is we don't have the power to condemn right. and people should understand that you don't have the power to judge or condemn somebody. You know, you are just here to be a vessel of Christ. You are here to show right. the love that Christ has shown to you. So there's, right. there, so there's no there's no reason for somebody to be abused within the church because people are afraid of the church. People and I realize and, and and unfortunately that is not meant to be. I mean, the church, like I said, should be a place of sukkah. Um, you know, many of us we give our life to Christ because somebody loved us. First, Jesus loved us, and somebody loved us you know, and taught it wise through the grace of God and through God's divine directive to come with this gospel message. And when they came in, they ministered to us and it was a continual work of grace that was ongoing until everybody's going in grace. You know, every moment, every step on the day, uh, 
of the day. Now, when people come to church, the church is not for those that are perfect. It's for those that are coming in to seek one help or the other. So how can the church help in that regard? Yes, the church can open up his, I mean, extend a hand, welcome those people to church and minister the truth of the gospel, minister life unto them. And it's not just by the words of our mouth alone, but by the strength of our character. Unfortunately, there are many do as I say, but don't do as I do gospel out there. They say this, but they do something else. So we must be able to live what we preach. Just by living what we preach, people are attracted to the kingdom. If we say now, don't do this, let people see that what we're saying is what we're living by. And when they see us, that there's genuineness in how we relate, in, you know, the harmony, the love, and, you know, the, 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 the grace that God that has released upon our life, the way it flows from us freely, those are beautiful, I mean, uh, virtues that attract people to the kingdom. I have heard people, how they got saved, they will tell you, I was just attracted by their love. I was attracted by their fellowship and all that. Now, you know, the, 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 the case of um, people that you cited in your example, that probably because of their outlook and all that stuff, and the first thing the church will do is to just castigate them. No, preach the message, the message of salvation to them. Open the scripture. Let them see what the scripture is saying about, you know, the certain lifestyle of theirs. And then let the Holy Spirit himself do the conviction. I bet you with time, God will work upon them without even you pushing. God can transform their life in and out. There are some things that you don't even have to tell them. But as they grow in faith, as they move closer to God, God himself will begin to speak to their heart, will begin to deal with their conscience. And before you know it, the transformation that they have inside will begin to reflect even outside. So we have a role to play as a church to be a place just like the hospital is a place for the sick. The church is a place for the orphans. When they come in, let's suit the apostles. When they come in, let's apply the balm of Gilead. When they come in, let's speak words into their life that can bring back life to every dead cells in their spiritual being. And I know that God will help us. I mean, there's the stirring up that is going on. A lot of people are tired of plain religion. A lot of people want to see change, and I mean real change coming from within the church, that the church will wake up and take its role and also stir up men to move to the place that God has destined them, move to the place where God has ordained them, and they can begin to take that position. And maybe by the virtue of that, we begin to see more men stay in their homes to become fathers to their son, become fathers to their daughter. We begin to see more men that the the boys can look up and look at their father right into his eyes and say, Father, you are my role model. And say, Father, you are my mentor. We need more of such. And I know that as the church takes up this responsibility and not shy away from it, things will turn around for the better. Amen to that. Amen. Amen to that. You basically answered <laughs> all the questions that I had. I don't even need to um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> ask them anymore. <laughs> Um, but I always have just one more question that I ask everybody. I kind of change it up, especially for this series. Um, the last question I want to ask you is what advice would you give uh, men to help them strengthen their relationship with God so they can better f be f or better 
be better leaders um, in their lives, in their church, in their homes. You can pick whatever you know area you want to, but just what would you give a man listening to this message that would help them, you know, really seek God and get to know God for themselves? Right. Um, I would say that let's be followers of Christ. If we want, you know, you cannot give what you do not possess. You cannot give what you do not have. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell your son, do this. And that son does not see you leave that out. You cannot tell your daughter, you have to adjust here. And then your daughter looks up at you and say, you know, um, if you want me to change, then you need to make that adjustment yourself. So we must be living examples. We must lead by love. That's the number one thing lead by love you know a father's leadership a man's leadership or a husband's leadership in the home must first be firmly rooted in love yes when you see your son or your daughter or your kids or even your wife or anybody for that matter if they do something that is not right the Bible says you correct them within love, in the meekness of wisdom. Why? Love is the core principle that should govern everything you say, all that we do. Let's notice that Paul himself told the leaders of the Corinthian church, you know, when they needed to take the leadership of their church, Paul told them, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I mean, chapter 16, verse 13 to 14. Another thing I would say is that you lead by being the direct example. You lead by being the pace setter. You lead by being the initiator. The first thing love will motivate us to do is to become an initiator ourselves. Don't tell your children or whoever to do something that you're not willing to step up and do first for yourself. We must be initiator. You know, initiation is the core of true leadership. If you cannot initiate, then you are not, you cannot be a leader. You are called a leader because you are taking that step. You're ready to ride on that. People can see you and say, you know what, because it's going to, um, it's ready to just go all out and get this done. I am ready to stick out my neck also to get this done. That is who a leader is. A leader does not wait for others to give him an idea. He is the instigator, the one who takes the first move. That's who a leader is. God's love has initiated a relationship with each of us as, you know, whether male or female or even the children um, themselves, and we have responded because of that love. He said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful scripture. For God so loved the world. So God is not telling us to love if you have not loved. God is telling us to love because he also has displayed exemplified love by giving Jesus to come die for our sin. And you know, man, if you love your wife as Christ loved the church, you will become an initiator in that relationship. If you love your children as even Christ loved the church, his own child, his own baby, then I tell you, you will take that step to make things work between yourself and your children. You will initiate the spiritual tone in your family. 
It is not, oh, when others are trying to get into the spiritual um, exercise of the family, you are left aside because you are not, you know, you have not bought into it yet. You are not interested in what they are doing. You will initiate opportunities to spend time more with your children, spend time more with your spouse. You do not give out that time to people outside of the home and leave out your family. Your family should take the number one spot of your time. You must be able to commit to that. You must be able to sacrifice for that. And the church also should wake up to its responsibility. We need to get concerned about what's going on around us. Get concerned about what's going on in the families that, you know, that are there in our churches and seeing to it as God will help us to be the shepherd that God has called us to be. And I pray that the Lord will help us all in Jesus' name. Amen to that. That was wonderful advice. Very thorough, very clear advice. Um, basically, just to lead by example. That we need to be intentional about what we are portraying to those around us. Um, it does make a difference. For sure. So thank you so much for that advice. Thank um, you, Dami. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I really appreciate it. it. You you touched me and I'm sure you touched so many other people who will be listening to this. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> thank you. So this concludes the podcast of The Planter. Again, you can find the podcast on iTunes. You just go on the podcast app and put the planter in itunes we're also located on google play please i want to hear from everybody if you have anything to say in regards to these podcasts please leave a comment below or write give us an email or write an email um, letting us know how you feel and what you would like to see in regards to the podcast or if there's any information that you would want um, me to speak about or someone else to speak about on the podcast so thank you so much for listening um, I appreciate every single person here and see you on the third series of man to man thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did creating it. If you'd like to stay in contact, please follow me on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Planter. So T-H-E-P-L-A-N-N-T-E-R. And you can also follow the blog and comment and just have conversation with me at theplanter.com. So again, T-H-E-P-L-A-N-N-T-E-R.com. Would love to hear from you. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode.